welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! I'm excited about this morning for a couple reasons. Um, One being I don't really know what's going to happen. Because I changed everything last night at around 10 o'clock. And uh, I just had this sense that I had to throw out what I was going to do. And this happens periodically, and I'm thankful for it. Because, you know, um, I, I, I don't just follow a, a, a yearly blueprint of Scripture readings. I'm sorry. So I wrestle through, God, what are you saying to the house every single week? What are you saying? And so... I was I had the privilege of being gone. I was in New Brunswick all week from Monday to Friday. And I was with some incredible national leaders from around Canada, Canadian leaders specifically. And I'm, I have the, the amazing privilege of being part of what's called the Canadian Prophetic Council. Some of you don't know. I actually felt a little bit sad yesterday. I feel like I needed to repent. Like I, The fact that most of our house doesn't know some of this stuff that I'm connected to, I feel like I've done an injustice. But there's this this network called the Canadian Prophetic Council that was started, I believe it was like the late 90s. I've been a part of it since the early 2000s. And uh, I, as of the last little while, I've had the privilege of sitting on sort of the core team that then oversees the, the council. There's about 80, 70 to 80 members across Canada, national leaders, and these leaders specifically are, are would be considered um, strong prophetic voices in Canada, prophets that carry a, a mantle of the prophet, Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 11, we believe, you know, Paul said it to the church of Ephesus, he said, to some are given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, well, if you only believe that pastors exist today, um, then I would say that you shouldn't believe it because you can't take one out and leave the rest. Or you can't leave one in and take the rest out. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God still is raising them up. He's still using them today. And the purpose of these roles in the body of Christ is to equip, the body says, or the Bible says, to equip the body for the work of the ministry until Everyone comes into unity of faith. So that word until is so key. Are we in all unity yet? No. Hello, is anybody in the house? I don't know. Does rain make people not come to church? Like I don't, I know snow can. I guess snow is rain that's really wet, right? But uh, I, 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 uh, I sit on this, this council and, and our goal, our goal is not, it's not this elitist you know, crew in Canada that sits there on their high horse. It's simply just a group of people that come together and literally pray and worship for like several days straight, morning to night. And we just ask God, what are you saying to Canada? What are you saying over Canada? What is your word for Canada in this season? And I've always done this, even before any of this, I've always done this. I've always, this has been my, I mean, if anybody's been following uh, and tracking with us for any time, you know that our whole ministry started out of training people how to recognize the voice of God. This is my, this is like my jam. Like, I love teaching people how to recognize the voice of God. You know, if you don't recognize the voice of God, there's no relationship. If you cannot recognize the one you are in relationship with, how can you be led by the one you are in relationship with? right? How can you be led? We, we need the part, the greatest quest that we all have is continuing on this journey of recognizing God, what are you saying? And so we have this amazing opportunity and we, you know, prayed all week and some amazing wild things came out of this week. And I know for me, I had actually, I had a real significant spiritual experience that I have not had 
in a while. That was very, uh, very out there that many of you, if I told you, you'd probably be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of this church. But anyways, I will tell you one thing. I will tell you one thing. And, I, and I, the reason why I'm going to tell you this one thing is because this is going to shape the next several minutes of what we're going to do and what we're going to believe for. And we're going to do communion at the end together. And I just believe God's going to do amazing, amazing things. But while we were praying, it was the first, it was the night session of the greater gathering. While we were praying, I went into this really, really intense vision. And I saw it was like the hand of God. And I saw the hand of God pointing down at this direction. And I saw it was like the body of Christ. I can't explain it, but it was like the church, like the church in Canada. And I saw the, the, the hand of God pointing at the church in Canada. And I saw this giant, what looked like radish. It was a radish, and it was in the ground. And, you know, if you look at the, the, the leaves or the green of the radish, there's several of them. And I saw on the leaves of the radish written names like government, politics, media, family, education. All these different terms to describe spheres of society. And then I saw God and I felt this so strong. He pointed at it and said, deal with it. And it was like really intense. And immediately I knew that this radish represented bitterness. A bitter root. It was a bitter root. And this bitter root is, is, is reflected in our bitterness towards how governments failed us. Education maybe. Maybe for you the medical system. Maybe for you media. You, can't, you don't know what to believe anymore. That some area, some important sphere of society has failed you and therefore has caused a bitterness inside of you. You can't trust anymore. How many would maybe be open to say, hey, I have some hard times trusting. I know in certain areas, for sure, it's okay. It's okay to question. It's okay to struggle through these types of things. But what's not okay is to keep a root of bitterness towards those things. And I saw God say, how can we bless areas of life that we feel bitterness towards? As I went to sleep last night, I was pondering this. I'm going to continue on in a second. I'm going to go back to the story in a second. But I felt like God was saying to me that bitterness is a blessing blocker. You can't bless things in life that you are bitter towards. You can't bless your prime minister if you're bitter towards him or her or whoever it's, it's going to be whenever. You cannot bless leaders in your life or family members or relationships if you are bitter towards them. And if we're going to bless and we're going to see transformation, we need to deal with the bitter root. And God wants us to deal with it. God can't deal with it. Here's the thing. This is what I, I felt God spoke, spoke to me. He said, we want God to deal with everything. But there are some things that God can't deal with. You know why? Because he's waiting on us to deal with them. There are some things God's just not going to do. God's not going to just come down and blow, you know, a, a, a wind of healing over your bitter root. Sometimes you have to be open and willing to say, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let go of the victim mentality. I'm going to let go of the trauma. Yes, there are sovereign moves, and God can do that. And you can have an encounter with God, and it changes everything. But you still have to lean in and be in a place of surrender to see God do what he wants to do. So I saw this this radish, and it's funny because radish, of course, is bitter, and it is a root vegetable, and I saw him say, deal with it, and then I saw what he really wanted to do, and I saw this giant orange tree. It was like an orange tree, and I saw that when we would pull up this bitter root, I saw this giant orange tree go into the ground in the body of Christ, and God, says, God said to me this very specific phrase. He said, the orange tree is sweet communion. Sweet communion with me. Because there is bitterness blocking our communion. And if there's bitterness blocking our communion, how can we bless and how can we see the transformation that we want to see in society when bitterness is first blocking our communion with the Lord? Because bitterness is a blessing blocker. 
I want us to think about that for a second. And I felt the, I felt the weight of this word. And it's funny because, you know, radishes didn't come from Canada. They came from somewhere else. Came from Asia, actually. But they, they're foreign. And I felt like what God was showing me in this whole process, because I was seeing all the depth of this vision, and I was processing it as I was seeing it, that God was saying to me, like, bitterness has never been your portion. It's a foreign element. It's a foreign stronghold. It's not meant for my people. And so we need to let it go. And so what I want to do today and what I feel like God wants to do today is break us through the barriers that bitterness brings us into. I believe you're breaking through bitterness today. I can really believe this. It could be bitterness towards life, bitterness towards God. It could be bitterness towards your spouse, bitterness towards your family, bitterness towards a friend, a coworker, someone who's betrayed you, a former business partner. Maybe you're holding on. We've been in this, this series called Target Practice, and we've been talking about Romans 12. We've been talking about as far as it depends on you, live, at, live in peace with everyone. Remember this? And our goal, as far as it depends on us, to live in peace with everyone. It's a moving target to aim for peace. The target's always moving, but God wants us to live in peace with everyone. How do we do that? Deal with the bitterness. Deal with the bitterness that stands between us and them. Let me read this passage to you in Ephesians, or actually, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Let's go there. I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Watch over each other. Now, the word is, as a bishop would watch over in leadership over a community of people. Watch or oversee over each other. So our job is to, and my job, like this is why I'm sharing this, all of our job together as people who are following and in relationship with Jesus is to make sure we watch over each other that we don't let bitterness in. How many know some people that are bitter? No one wants to, yeah, put their hand up, but we all do. We all do. We all know some people that are bitter. I mean, just think of anybody in your life who has no-go zones. Think of anything where you, you talk about one subject and, like, all the defenses come up. There's probably some bitterness there. And I think at some level, we all have subtleties of bitterness that we don't even realize we have. Bitterness towards our health. Bitterness towards church. Bitterness towards, you know, male figures, female figures, people that have let us down in the past. Bitter, just bitter areas in many different areas. And so let me read this. Watch, oversee, over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Because when you are in bitterness, you've, you've missed out on grace. This is the connection. Make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with a root, a bitter radish root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. So what he's saying is, listen, bitterness won't only just kill you, it will kill those around you. Bitterness won't just only affect you, it will affect those around you. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. I'm sure you've heard that before. And some, in some way, we... we, we find identity in bitterness and we feel a sense of justice like I have I have a right to feel and stay bitter and you may have the right to stay bitter but the question is is it right to stay bitter it may there may be a reason why you feel bitter but let me just tell you if you're bitter you're not getting better the only way you get better in life is to deal with the bitterness. I think of it like it's a slow process, too. It's not instant always. There can be bitterness so subtle, and it grows over time. Solomon said it like this, the little foxes spoil the vine. We, we often think of the, the things like the, the big problems in life as the big mountains and the big giants in our life, but it's actually the little things that creep in slowly over time that take us out. 
the little things, the things that we don't see, the things that we feel okay with carrying as baggage into every season of our life. It's those things that are the most dangerous things. The things that we don't see are the most dangerous things in our life. And this is our aim. And let me just go back to, in context of this whole target practice season that we've been, of the series that we've been in, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. But the premise, the premise it opens up with in verse 9, have a unhypocritical love, love genuinely. And then it goes into how we do all that. It goes into holding fast to what is good, hating what is evil. It goes into don't revenge and don't, don't you know, if somebody comes at you, you bless them, don't curse them. Go, move in the opposite spirit. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Don't lack in zeal. I'm just giving you a paraphrased version. He says in verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, verse 18, as far as it depends on you, deal with your bitterness. Live at peace with everyone. Fast forward to verse 21, the last verse. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Bitterness is a great evil, let me just tell you. Bitterness is a great evil. Bitterness is one of the fruits on the tree of the love of money. Of course, bitterness is a root, that's what we're talking about, but all kinds of evil, like bitterness, come from the love of mammon. You know that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, he said, you're either going to love God or love mammon. The only time another God was mentioned in this context was around money, the love of money, the love of money. The seedbed and the foundation of the devil's kingdom is the love of money. It's anti the love of God. And from that place are all kinds of roots and all kinds of fruits. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The, 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 the idea is to protect your heart from those things that will come in and corrupt you. From the inside out. And the way that you know it's corrupted you from the inside out is what comes out of a person. Comes out in their speech. Comes out in their responses. Comes out. You know there's been a corruption based upon that. You know the roots based upon the fruit of their tongue. The fruit of their responses. The fruit of their language. Another translation says it like this. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Protect yourself from bitterness because it determines the course of your life, the trajectory, where you're headed. I believe some of you are going to get delivered today of this, of bitterness. It's deep because bitterness is as resentment. Resentment is as hatred. And Jesus says hatred is as murder. It's a, it's a, it's a deeply rooted thing that I don't think we realize God cares so much about. How are we going to bless the things in life or the people in life that we are bitter towards. He wants to pull up those radish-like roots in this season. Make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them. Man, there's, there's just some, this is the thing. Here, I'm going to say it. If you can't have some conversations with people, there's bitterness. If you know you just can't go there with that individual, there's something there. There's something there, because a healthy individual should be able to talk about anything at any point. And we all have those zones, right? Let's just be honest. I'm up here saying to you, we all have those zones. I have things that trigger me. There, I just said it. And I wonder, I'm a God, where, what's, what's, what's going on inside that, that makes me feel that way? Oh, I've got some bitterness towards this area. Maybe I got some bitterness. I feel some shame towards this area. I had to deal with this a lot in the last seven years. You know, with all the things that have gone on with our church as a mobile church, losing so much, losing 
so many people, different venues, 15 different venues. I had to go on a journey where I had to check my heart to say, am I, if I, do I feel bitter? I was never bitter at God. People would say stuff like, why don't you stay at one venue? Well, I wish I could. <laughs> we wish we could have. And there would be times where I, I would feel that sense of not bitterness towards the individual, just bitterness towards the season. And if I didn't continue to navigate and deal with that, man, it would have taken me out. I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying you can't feel bitterness. I'm saying don't let a root grow up and poison you. Don't let it direct you. Don't let it take you out. Don't let it overwhelm you to the point where you can't function anymore. Bitterness is like a poison. It's a form of hatred for yourself. You know that? Keeping and holding bitterness is a form of hatred for yourself. Because if you really knew and understood what it was doing to you, and the deception is, you would, you, 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 would, you would let it go. The deception is, hold on to it because it's justified. You were wronged, so hold on to it. The deception is, if you hold on to it, you'll feel better about life. But it's actually a form of hatred for yourself. It's a form of assault to others, just like we see in the scripture. It defiles many people around us. It's a form of unhealthy defense. It's a form of selfishness that keeps us in an invisible prison. Nelson Mandela said, that, said it like this. He said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. The illustration is you can leave physical prison, but if you carry bitterness with you, you're in an invisible one. And that's actually a worse place to be. I would rather be in a physical prison than be in an invisible one I don't know is even there. Because maybe you've heard it said like this, better is the devil that you know than the devil that you don't. I'd rather be aware of what's happening in my life than not aware at all. Walking around, it's like bad breath. You don't think you have it, but everyone else notices it. I would rather be aware of what is my reality than unaware. Invisible prisons are the worst kinds of prisons. Bitterness is just like that. So many of us do not realize that we are in an invisible prison. Could be relationally. Could be in your parenting. Areas of shame where you just feel like you can't parent well or parent right. There's areas of my life I feel that way sometimes. Can't talk about certain subjects. Triggers you. These are areas probably where there's some bitterness. And that bitterness is not like, you think bitterness is like I'm bitter towards something. or some, It can be bitterness towards yourself. It can be such a deep level of shame that you feel bitter in that area of your life because of what's happened to you in your past. Any form of bitterness is a bad form of bitterness. Are you with me? I mean, uh, and I, I don't want to shift gears here, but... Even from a medical perspective, I mean, German professor and psychiatrist Michael Linden actually thinks and believes that bitterness should be its own psychological disorder, calling it post-traumatic embitterment disorder, PTED. And the reason why is because studies show that PTED, which is post-traumatic embitterment disorder, shows similarities in negative fruit or consequences as PTSD, such as feelings of helplessness, blaming yourself, feeling edgy and aggressive, sleep troubles, appetite chains, reduced libido, lowered motivation, and phobias around visiting or revisiting places that remind you of the event. The, the consequences of PTSD are very similar to what happens when somebody carries bitterness around their life. Isn't that wild? I mean, we, we don't need that to give us a picture of why it's bad. We see it in Scripture. But it's good when you start seeing science and studies showing the correlation between the things that God wants us to deal with. It's real deal. And I know this is a little bit of a heavy today. Hope that's okay. But I believe God's going to deliver some of us today of this. 
Bitterness can actually give people a sense of purpose, which is so, so scary. They find identity in it. Bitterness is a way to hide from a fear of life change or of failing. To stay bitter is more comfortable than to deal with change because I don't want to fail again. Stephen Diamond, Ph.D., defines bitterness as a chronic and pervasive state of smoldering resentment and regards it as one of the most destructive and toxic of human emotions. If we repeatedly ruminate, he writes, over how we've been victimized, nursing wrongs may eventually come to define some essential part of who we are. Anybody ever know somebody who's been so bitter, it's like now it's their identity? Bitterness is their identity. Anybody know anyone like that? If you build anything in life on the backdrop or the backbone of bitterness, it will crack eventually. It will crack because you will crack. It will crack. This could be bitterness towards God. Bitterness towards really anything. Another doctor mentions this, says that bitterness are, are, are likened to feelings of anger and accusation. They're often go, they often go hand in hand. Feelings of hostility and bitterness go hand in hand. And you know what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says? Paul says it like this in verse 31. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Because he knows if you let that stay, it's going to destroy what God wants to do in and through your life. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. Get rid of the stuff that's holding you hostage in your life. Like I said, like it could be any subtle type of bitterness. Maybe God, you felt God has let you down. And you're, you're bitter towards God. Which I have a hard time even seeing how that's possible with the right perspective of God. With the wrong perspective of God, it's very easy to be bitter towards God. Very easy. With the right perspective of God, it's really hard to be bitter towards God when you know what his nature is like. And it's because you don't understand why things happen. That's not a license to be bitter. God never gave us a promise that he's going to tell you why things happen. But he will always tell you what he will do within it. He will always redeem it. He will always speak to you while you're in it and give you what you need to handle it. That's a promise. But he never promised he would tell you why. That's a question God never asks or never answers. But he does answer the question, God, what are you doing in me right now? Okay, I don't know why this happened. It's not fair. I deserve to be bitter right now. It's not right. It's unjust. It's unjust. It's not fair. God, take them out. Do your thing. Do what you need to do. <laughs> Release your wrath on this individual, you know. And you could, you could feel all those things and say all those things, but... In the end, the only important thing, as far as it depends on you, you deal with you while you're in it. That's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 12. As far as it depends on you, you have an ability to deal with you and no one else. Deal with you. Let it go. Try to sing the song. Let it go. Let it go. No, I can't sing it. That's like flashback to when my daughter was younger. <laughs> Anyways. Let me read the same verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, in a different translation. It says, says this. This is out of the New King James Version. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. I just want us to get another angle on a different way this is languaged. But the premise still stands. The premise is still there that Bitterness doesn't only just hurt you, it hurts everyone around you. Bitterness, I said, is like resentment, and, and resentment is as murder. And I want to say it like this, bitterness is the silent, write this down, bitterness is the silent murder of self while aiming at those around you. You think you're justified to hold it against that individual? 
Maybe your dad left you. Maybe your mom left you. Maybe you didn't have a dad. You didn't have a mom. Maybe your wife divorced you. Your husband divorced you. Maybe there was adultery. Maybe there was some unjust thing that happened to you that you did not deserve. But let me just say it like this. If you hold that bitterness, even if you have the right to be bitter, it is not right to be bitter. Having the right and it being right are very two different things. You have the right to say whatever you want and do whatever you want. It doesn't mean it's the right thing. Bitterness is the silent murder of self while aiming at those around you. You think you're coming out. You think you're revenging, but really you're just destroying yourself. And revenge often is the, is the outcome of a bitter root. And the whole scripture in, in Romans chapter 12 is talking about don't revenge. Don't repay evil with evil. Re, my, my, mine is the revenge. I, he says that I will revenge. It's mine to bring the vengeance. That's what he's saying. Not yours. Don't revenge. Because revenge is an outcome of a bitter individual. You're bitter, so you want to revenge. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus said it like this through John. Everyone who hates works against his brother in Christ and is at heart a murderer by God's standards. Do you know that God's standards change quite drastically from the old to the new? From the Mosaic law to the new covenant of grace. Where now it was about even things that happen in your heart are as those actual acts. Where he says, even if you lust in your heart, you're considered an adulterer. If you hate in your heart, you're considered a murderer. These are really intense statements that Jesus makes. In other words, I'm moving it from the outside to the inside. That's what he said. I'm moving it from the works on the outside, the behaviors, the wrong behaviors. Too. It's all about the heart. I just want your heart. I just want your heart to be right. And if you've got bitterness in your heart, all these kind of things are going to come out that are going to destroy your life. It was a time when it was all about your outward behavior and we would atone for the sin and we would make sacrifices to atone for your sin, for your bad behavior. But now it's about your heart. If you get your heart right, you'll have good behavior. Stop trying to fix your behavior. Fix your heart and your behavior will be fixed. Stop trying to fix the things that you do, your bad disciplines, your habits, your addictions. Get your heart right before me. Soften your heart before me and all those things, those addictions, those things will just fall off like nothing. It's all about the heart work, and the heart work is always the hard work. The dealing with the hard stuff is always the hardest stuff to deal with, isn't it? Anybody in the room this morning? Let me take a coffee break. So if Jesus said if you hate, and hatred is, is as bitterness, and bitterness and hatred, or hatred is as murder, let me say it like this. Having an unhealthy expectation is a premeditated resentment. Think about it like this for a second. If I have a leader in my life and I have an unhealthy, ex and I have had this a lot, okay? I've had it directed at me and I've had it towards others. Unhealthy expectations of people are simply premeditated resentments. I'm setting myself up for bitterness. They didn't talk to me. They didn't call me. They called me eight times, but I wanted them to call me ten times. They didn't text me on my birthday. They didn't check in when I was sick. They didn't know I was sick. They should have known by discernment or a dream that I was sick. They should have just known because we're super close. They, they, they walked by me, didn't look at me. They didn't give me, I mean, marriage is a setup for this, let me just tell you, Right? Anybody married in the house? If you have an unhealthy expectation of your spouse that's uncommunicated or maybe just off the chain, off the, it's just, it's just like off the, the grid of what's normal or ordinary, let's just say, for example, you're setting yourself up for bitterness. You're setting yourself up for a premeditated resentment towards. Like It's like you're getting ready for resentment already. Let's, let's pray that God begins to help our expectations come in line with his in every area of our life. Are you getting something from this this morning? 
I remember years ago, I was like, uh, and I'm going to transition into communion in a moment here. I, there were years ago, I remember a dream that I had. We were, things were really moving and popping in our house. This was probably in 2014. We were on in another building, the a permanent building. I'm not bitter because we're mobile, Jesus. Um, but we were in a building, and uh, <laughs> uh, there'd be a problem if I was still. By the way, it's been seven years, so uh, uh, we were in a building, and I remember having this dream of this one specific individual, and they were smoking in my, and they didn't smoke in the natural; they were smoking in the dream, and I knew. I knew in the dream, when you know something in the dream, you know it's like a really important dream to pay attention to. I knew in the dream that they were starting to get bitter, that the cigarette represented bitterness. They were starting to inhale bitterness. And I knew because I saw the effects of the, and there's more to the dream, but I saw the effects of this individual and his influence uh, in, the, in the house. I knew that that secondhand bitterness was going to get on others. And let me just tell you, within a few years it did. Within a few years it did, and it spread. And it had negative impact, and I remember feeling like it was a warning that if we can make sure we get to the root of bitterness at the beginning, we'll win. Because the enemy knows if he can divide and conquer by bitterness... Man, he's going to divide and conquer. That's a hard thing to deal with. When you get bitter towards someone, a leader, a friend, you know, a co-laborer of sorts, or someone that's doing life, you're doing life with, if you get bitter towards them and you don't deal with it, it's like that root that begins to peruse all kinds of evil fruit, and you just don't want that. And you can chop all the fruit off you want. You can deal with all the poisonous fruit you get off that tree, but if you don't deal with the root, that fruit keeps coming back over and over and over and over again. You know what I'm talking about? It's like marriage. It's like anything. If you don't go to the root, you can try to deal with the fruit all you want. It doesn't work. It's only temporal. But if you can say, God, okay, what is the root? Man, I don't know about you, but after I had that vision this weekend, this experience, I know it was for the body in Canada. I'm taking inventory. I'm saying, God, are there any roots that I'm not aware of, of bitterness, that need to be taken up out of my life? out of my marriage, out of my family, out of my perspectives, out of anything that I'm putting my hand towards? Is there any area, any little subtlety of bitterness? Because I don't want that root. And I've definitely seen some signs of little fruit at times, and I'm like, I'm wondering, is there a root? And God said, I'm not going to deal with it. He said, you deal with it. That's what, that's what the word was. Ask me for awareness, but you have to do the work. I'm not saying it's like a works thing, but it is in a sense in that He's not going to force his hand if I'm unwilling. You hear what I'm saying? i got to lean towards it. i got to lean towards him in the process. I want to read this passage one last time in a diff- one other translation before we go into communion here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 to 17. Out of the message translation. I'm going to read it in a different translation. I want us to get another angle on it. I think it's very, very powerful the way the message re- words this passage. The Hebrew writer says this, work at getting along with each other and with God. Because it takes work, right? Work at getting along with each other. Man, some people are just hard to get along with. Anybody know anybody like that? Man, just hard. Just tough. Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Because bitterness actually can block your lens. Remember, bitterness is a blessing blocker. It can block your ability to see God the way he wants you to see him. Make sure, listen to this, make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. Any gardeners in the house? How many love the weeds? Only one man put their hand up in the back. See, got you, man. I'm not a gardener, but I like my shrubs in my backyard. I have enough grace for the shrubs. Flowers, not so much. But I don't like the weeds. Who likes picking up the weeds? No one likes the weeds, but the weeds come up, right? If you don't deal with the weeds, guess what happens? More weeds come. 
they multiply. Bitterness multiplies like weeds. If you don't deal with the beginning stages of the weeds, they just keep coming and coming and get more hairy and prickly and gross. Man, I get some really bad weeds sometimes. Like, where does that come from? It's like a demonic weed. It's like a, a demonic weed. Like, I put you, some weeds you can't even walk on. It's like these, like, invisible pricks go into your feet. How many know some invisible pricks in your life? <laughs> you knew that was coming, weren't you? Didn't you? I know a lot of invisible ones, and some visible ones too, actually. No, I'm just joking. I shouldn't say that kind of stuff in church. But listen to what it says here. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. A thistle or two, or a thistle or two gone to seed, multiplying itself, can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Remember I shared about Esau and Jacob on Easter? Anybody in the house? Anybody was there? Watch that message if you haven't heard it. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Do you know that when you exchange God's blessing for your bitterness, you exchange and forfeit the gift of God that he wants you to fulfill in life. You exchange a part of yourself. When you hold bitterness, you're like, no God, yes to bitterness. No blessing, yes to bitterness. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You, you well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. It's a very depressing scripture. <laughs> but this is the thing. Deal with bitterness before it deals with you. It's target practice season, and if we're going to have healthy relationships, we need to get at this root. And I just believe right now as we take communion, I'm going to have the team pass out communion. I don't want you to take it yet. We're going to take it together. I believe there's going to be some major breakthrough in this house, in the area of bitterness. And I want you to do some, I'm a, I want to be very practical today. Spiritual inventory of areas of your life could be towards government, could be towards leaders, could be towards past leaders, present leaders. I don't care where it is, your spouse, your kids, friends, best friends, or once called best friends that you feel like have betrayed you, walked out on you, um, an old past relationship. I don't care what it is for you. I want you to do some inventory and say, God, is there any bitterness in me? Is there a root that shouldn't be there? Because I want to deal with it today, and I want to let you help me in the process. I want to let you in. I want you to heal me. Maybe bitterness towards to just life. You can't get ahead financially. And so you're just, you're just annoyed. Like, why can't I break this invisible financial barrier? I just, every time I get ahead, I, I kind of go backwards. Every time I move a, a step, I end up going back two steps. Like, I don't know what it is for you, but something, there's a frustration maybe in your life that you just feel you're bitter towards your health, your personal health. Like, man, you just don't know what's going on in your life right now. You feel a little bit bitter. Maybe it's not towards God, but it's just, maybe it's just you feel bitterness. And if you don't deal with that little weed that might just be like a feeling of bitterness, it can turn into something that doesn't just poison you, but that poisons others. I want you to think about this. I, want, I really believe that as we become aware of what is, that God can take it and uproot it in our lives as we give it to him, as we let him deal with it. There might be some practical things at the end of this day that you have to do, texting somebody, calling somebody, you know, apologizing to somebody, forgiving somebody. I don't know what it is, but, like, actually do the work. Actually go after it. What is it? What is it? Where is it? Because I believe God wants you to change the world. I believe God wants you to change your sphere that you're called to of society. I don't, but maybe it's media for you. Maybe it's you're working in government. And you cannot do that if you have a bitter root towards the very sphere that you're in. You can't. Let me just tell you something that's mind-blowing right now. Getting a new leader in power is not going to change 
the thing you think it's going to change. Leaders are never the answer. God's always the answer. So even if I have a bad leader, God is still my answer. Now, I'm not saying that we don't want good leaders. Don't hear that. I'm not saying that we don't want righteous leaders. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying don't put your stock so much into a man or a woman when in the end it's going to be God. That's what I'm saying. Put your worship on God, not on man. Don't idolat- don't, don't fall into a form of idolatry to the one man or the one woman that's going to save us all. The political Messiah is, it doesn't exist. There's no political Messiah. Only one Messiah. His name is Yeshua. Jesus Christ. Born of a virgin. One Messiah. And I say that to say in every sphere, if you have bitterness towards any sphere of society, you're not going to be able to see and release the blessing. You're missing out on being able to bless that sphere if you have bitterness. And I'm just praying for healing today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25, Paul is recounting the story of the Last Supper where Jesus sat with his disciples before he went to the cross, said this, he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. The same night where he could have become bitter, The same night that he could have become bitter, he gave thanks. And I I wanted to say this because when you have something really bad happen in your life, my encouragement is to start that season with or that situation with, God, thank you that somehow you're going to pull me out of this. That's what Jesus did. On the same night he was betrayed, about to go to the cross, betrayed by one of his own, he gave thanks. To be thankful at the onset of betrayal, at the onset of sacrifice, at the onset of the hardest thing you would ever have to do is only by grace. Are you hearing this this morning? On the same night he was betrayed, he took bread. And then in verse 24, when he had given thanks, which is the word Eucharistio, which is why we call it the Eucharist. He, he, I actually believe and I would teach more along the lines of how the Catholic Church would teach than the Protestants would. I believe more in the power of communion than most of my Protestant friends. I believe this is not an act. This is not a symbol. This is a spiritual experience. If you take it as a symbol, you found religion. It's more than a symbol. When he gave thanks, the premise is the word Eucharistio means he unlocked the good and well-meaning favor of God. And the good and well-meaning favor of God went into the actual elements. You know why I believe that? It's because I, I see it all throughout Scripture. Acts 19, Paul touched handkerchiefs. Those handkerchiefs were taken to the sick and the depressed and the, and the, and the, the demonized. And when the handkerchief would touch them, they'd be healed. What does that say? Something on the inside of that handkerchief, the essence changed. It became a, a, a tool for the miraculous. I could tell you hundreds of scriptural stories in scripture that actually prove this point. Even looking at you. If you believe that you are a new creation in Christ, although you look the same on the outside, when you got saved, you didn't get a bunch of holy Botox, let me just tell you. You still got the wrinkles. You still look the same, but on the inside, you changed. Although he said thanks for this body, the outside doesn't all of a sudden turn into a literal functioning little mini body with a head and arms and legs, obviously, but the inner essence changes. And that's why it's a spiritual experience, not just a symbol. Hopefully all the Catholics love me a little more now in the house, or maybe you don't, I don't know. After he'd given Eucharistio, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this to bring me back to the forefront of your mind. Because when you bring me back into the forefront of your mind, guess what happens? You see the bitter roots in your life. You see the things in your life that shouldn't be there, and you're able to deal with them. And then in the same manner, he also took the cup, 
after supper, saying, this is the cup of my new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. The body is broken so our body can be made whole. And it cannot be made whole if we are full of bitterness. But if we let it go, we can be made whole. The body was broken to make your body whole, to make you a brand new creation. The blood was spilled out to for, for the forgiveness of sins, to deal with the sin that stained your life. And when we take part of the broken body and the blood, we are saying yes to God's full freedom in our life, God's full healing in our life. We're letting go of the bitterness. We're letting go of the poison that we've been drinking. We're letting go of all the stuff that's entangling us up and snaring us up. We're letting go of all of it. And I believe today God wants to do some major healing and deliverance. So what I want you to do before we take it, I want you to stand up with me. You can stand up with it. And we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to take it and then we're going to pray. And I want you, before we take it, I want you to think about, like I said, all those areas where you feel like maybe there's subtle bitterness, maybe there's big bitterness, bitter roots. Just think about those things for a second. I want you to also think about, hey, where do I need healing in my body? Where do I need deliverance in my life? Where do I need change, transformation? Because this act is for that. This act of Jesus' broken body and his spilled out blood was to set you free. It wasn't to give you a half-life. It was to give you a whole life. It wasn't to give you just a, a measure of, of prosperity, spirit, soul, and body, but a whole, the whole thing to change the, the entire trajectory of your life. And so today, God, we thank you for the body we thank you for the broken body. As soon as we take it, in a few minutes, we're going to worship. And I want us to let those things go. My prayer is that it gets a little wild in here because when you're letting things go, it gets wild. It gets wild. It's not this, like, somber thing. Like, I believe God wants us to aggressively. When I heard that word, deal with it, it was like an aggressive shout from God. And I saw his finger pointing at the root, deal with it. And it was, like, intense. It wasn't like you, you needed like some kahunas, let me just tell you, to deal with it. That was, the, that was the feeling, that was the sense I had when I saw it. So today, God, we thank you this is your body. It was broken for us. And this is your blood, God. We do this to bring you back to the forefront of our focus, to remind ourselves that we are healed, that we are set free, that we have been delivered. And we want to align ourselves with that truth and with that reality 